Dash podcast with Pastor Rick Hale, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Roswell, New Mexico. I'm your co-host, Sean Lee. We count it as an honor for you to join us today. It's our purpose at Living Your Dash to help you better connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Elizabeth Elliott Gren was 30 years old with a one-year-old when her first husband, Jim Elliott, was martyred, speared to death by an indigenous tribe because they feared for their lives. Years later, instead of being filled with fear, bitterness, and disappointment, she wrote, The deepest things that I have learned in my own life have come from the deepest suffering, and out of the deepest waters with the hottest fires have come the deepest things that I know about God. It is a mystery how life events can make us think that God doesn't love us or care for us. But in this fifth and final question from Rick's five big questions, Rick helps give clarity with a firm answer to the question, will God love me or desert me? Make sure you check out this entire series and other information about Grace Community Church at rosalgrace.com. Now, let's join Rick and Sean with this week's podcast. All right. Well, here we are. We're back with Living Your Dash podcast. Rick, thanks so much for uh, hosting us today. Um, you know, you you just wrapped up this fantastic The Big Five Question series. And this this particular series, you centered it on the question, will God love me or desert me? Um, and, you know, you, you centered it on Paul's rhetorical questions at the end of Romans chapter 8. Uh, is is there maybe a sixth question that you can uh, put in there? Or oh, well, that's a good question, Sean. Uh, <laughs> maybe maybe Paul would have said, "Does anyone else have a question?" Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. Okay. Those five were big. Though. That's right. The reason why there are five and not six because there are just five. All right. So, Rick, you uh, you framed this question um, through really your own three year struggle with with hepatitis. Uh, uh, of which God healed you of. So what is the link that, then that, that you have between chronic illness and feeling the love of God? Well, one thing I learned from experience in that three-year struggle was that, that when you're facing a chronic illness, there, there are a lot of days you don't feel the love of God. Mm -hmm. You feel deserted. Uh, not so much at the front end because, you know, you have hope that, well, you know, it, it'll go away next week, next week, next week. Yeah. And you and you realize, well, people are praying. God's going to hear their prayers. If God doesn't answer my prayers, surely he'll answer everyone else's prayers. And then months go and then years go by. And I'll tell you what you learn with your faith. That's where the rubber meets the road. When you're going through a chronic illness, that's where you are forced well, as Scripture says, you're forced to walk by faith, not by sight. Yeah. Because when you, when you look at the circumstances, uh, there's just not a lot of evidence that God cares, that He's involved, that God loves you, because what it looks like is you have been deserted. I tell you, this last week, Sean, I just happened to be reading the first two chapters of the book of Job. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever noticed in those first two chapters there are two times where, you know, God is having this conversation with Satan. And by the way, Job is not included in that loop. He doesn't know right. what's going on. Yeah. And there are two times that God says to Satan, well, have you considered my servant Job? 
have you considered my servant Job? Mm. And it dawned on me, had Job been in that loop, I bet Job would have said, please do not consider me anymore. Uh, I've had enough consideration. Thank you very much. Don't quit God. Quit holding me up as the model spiritual giant because uh, every time you do, I get whacked. So you you begin to identify with Job. Yeah. And you're going, um, I, I don't know what, conversation is going on right now about me in heaven, but I don't care for the conversation. <laughs> I don't want to be considered anymore. Right. I want to be healed. Yeah. It's it's where the rubber meets the road. Right. Can I ask you something? About year year and a half, okay, into because you had no idea that you were going to receive a healing three years afterwards, but about a year and a half into it, what were you feeling? Tired. You know, when you have Yeah. When you have hepatitis, and my particular hepatitis developed into, and I was finally diagnosed uh, with chronic fatigue syndrome. Yeah. I was just exhausted all the time. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to keep your your spiritual energy high yep. when your physical energy is so low. Yeah. We are a deeply connected mm-hmm. <laughs> person, um, you know, Body, soul, spirit. On a diagram, we can separate it out, but I tell you, in real life, they're connected. When you feel bad physically, it it can sure affect your spiritual walk. Uh, did you did you feel a sense of either depression or hopelessness? At, Absolutely. At any point? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's basically toward the end uh, because toward the end, you just begin. I began to think, Am I going to pull out of this? Is uh, am I going to live with this? And and when the the doctors are telling you. There's really no cure. I remember when the doctor said, Rick, here's what happens. Some people uh, die, and some people live with it, and some people just kind of grow out of it. And he said, I have no idea what will be the path for you. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so that that was no fun. And Katie was a newborn. Absolutely. It was the night of her birth in 1986, when I felt a tenderness in my right side, and I now know that's where your liver is. Yeah. Hepatitis is the inflammation of your liver. And I'd felt exhausted that night. I felt that tenderness in my side. And for three years, it got worse and worse and worse. Oh, wow. Wow. Hey, I'm here I'm preaching to the choir, Sean. I mean, you just went through chemotherapy for your... Uh, struggle in your battle with cancer. Mm-hmm. So you you understand this? I do. You I understand do. that Job thing? Uh, God quit considering me <laughs> your servant, Sean. <laughs> I, I think if Job would have been in that conversation, he would have said, "You know, my brother-in-law <laughs> is a fantastic person. I think he'd be fantastic for yeah. yeah, he could <laughs> handle this better than me. God, really, Way better than me. Yeah. At least the second time. Well, you know, this kind of brings up that thorny question of of suffering and and the will of God, because uh, you offered three things that we that we need to do in order to not question the love of God in the face of suffering or chronic issues. And you pointed to the lessons learned from the woman uh, in, in Luke with this issuance of blood. Can, can you go over those action steps once again? I sure can. Yeah, the, the first one was you need to face your chronic condition. Mm. The uh, the woman in the story had had this issue of blood for 12 years. Man, wow. I mean, Sean, I had, I had chronic fatigue for three. I cannot imagine 
suffering like she had suffered yeah. uh, for 12 long years. But what what is important is, and I've learned this from personal experience, don't fall into the the, the problem of denial. Mm. And, you know, I mentioned Sunday that men are kind of famous for denying when they're sick. They don't want to go to the doctor and they put it off. And, you know, I did the same thing. But there's a danger of denial. Mm-hmm. It... Um, it, it holds you back from facing the reality that, hey, we live in a fallen world and, you know, people get sick, people get conditioned. Yeah. And there, it's not a lack of faith when you face your chronic condition. It does no good to say, well, if I don't name it, if I don't claim it, then it won't be there. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it will be. Yeah. I was kind of, the other day I was reading in, in 2 Timothy 4, and, you know, that's right at the end of Paul's life. He's locked up in prison. Uh, he's about to be executed for being a Christian. Mm-hmm. And at the, in chapter 4, he's kind of taking care of some, like, little details. Yeah. And he's writing Timothy. He says, Timothy, I need you to take care of this and this and this. And there's just this one little line that grabs me. He says, I, I left Trophimus. Now, Trophimus was one of Paul's buddies, traveled with him. Mm-hmm. He said, I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. And I read that and I'm going, well, Paul, why didn't you lay hands on him and heal him? Yeah. <laughs> and I bet Paul would say, well, I did lay hands on and prayed and he didn't get healed. Yeah. We have to remember that not everybody gets healed, at least now. Yeah, yeah. So... Very important. Number one, face your chronic condition. Yeah. How, how can how can we pray through this this time in our life when, when we say, okay, I've got this issue. I'm not going to deny it. So how do, how do we pray through that? Here, this is where we turn to the Psalms and we watch David pray in raw honesty. Yeah. When David had a problem, he just said, God, here's what's going on. I don't like it. And I'm mad about it, and I'm upset about it, and I'm I'm, I'm questioning, and you just be honest. Yeah. And that again, that's part of facing your chronic condition is bring your chronic condition into your prayers, not in some kind of demanding, condescending, insulting way to God, mm-hmm. but just say, "Hey, God, uh, you know, I still got this. I still got this thing." I think that that it's kind of interesting how. Uh, there, there were a lot of times, and, and I recall one particular time when um, that, that I was going through issues of, of uh, dealing with chemotherapy, and, and there was, uh, I couldn't sleep. It was 2 o'clock in the morning. I, very, I recall this very clearly. 2 o'clock in the morning, my mind was racing with all different types of thoughts. Uh, I was trying to, to shove <laughs> medication down my throat to keep me from from vomiting and, and I was just sick and I just, I just, I, I cried out to God, God, I, I don't know if I can handle this. This is, it doesn't seem like this is ever going to end. And it was then that the Lord reminded me out of Deuteronomy 31, eight, that he is with me. He is, he was, he goes before me. So he's there in the future and he's there with me right now. He said he'd never leave me or forsake me. And, and, uh, I think that, that going through cancer was, that was worth the price of the ticket. Just to, I, I thought I knew Jesus, uh, but I really knew Jesus at two a.m. Mm-hmm. that day in March. That yeah. was in, that was incredible. That, again, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's yeah. what happened that night. The rubber was was meeting the road, and your faith 
sustains you. Amen. Amen. What what other, you said another action step. Yeah. The, the second thing we watched in the story, the lady reached out to Jesus. Now he, you know, he's crowd is packed around him and she can't get to him. The best she can do is just touch the hem of his garment. Said, if I just touch the hem of his garment, mm. I know I can be healed. Um, what an important thing to do of just she was able to physically reach out to Jesus. Yeah. Now, of course, today we, we can't physically do that. Yeah. But, you know, that obviously this is prayer. Mm-hmm. We can reach out to Jesus in prayer. You just said it. Two o'clock in the morning, you cried out to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So you can still reach out to Jesus even today saying, Jesus, you're you're my only hope. I'm, I'm putting my faith and trust in you. I'll tell you another one, Sean, that I discovered, I bet you did too, was the uh, the importance of the fellowship of believers. During that three-year period, I had people pray for me. I had people pray over me. I had mm. people lay hands on me. And for three years, the, the answer to those prayers were not yet, yeah. not yet. And I don't understand all that. But I tell you what I do understand is the power of fellowship. Yeah. Uh, I, I was strengthened knowing that I was not walking the journey alone. I yeah. bet you had the same experience. Absolutely. I, that was, you know, honestly, that was a hard part was to receive that kind of help. And, and I think that that's one of the reasons why I needed to go through this. You I, like to give. I, I, <laughs> I don't like depending on people, you know, that, and what God showed me was that that is a source of pride in my life. And, and in order for the body of Christ to be the body of Christ, there has to be that give and that take, that, that type of spiritual respiration. And uh, I, I remember people coming over, uh, dropping flowers or meals and so many cards, so many cards. I, I ran out of, I don't know, I stopped counting because uh, of, of all the cards and notes and emails and texts and things like that. And uh, I, I think that, that that is something the flip side of the coin was to, was to realize um, how important it is for us to stay in tune with the Holy Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit, because we never know when God may place someone on our heart to say, you need to go talk to them, because I can't do it. I only have you to go talk to them, and you're the only one that's going to visit them or talk to them. Yeah. So you really experienced the hands and feet of Jesus in the, uh, the human touch of Amen. other people in the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. Yeah, a third way. Yeah, a third. At the very end of the story, uh, you need to receive his affirmation. And I love the very end, the very last line, Jesus turns to this woman. And imagine, there's this huge crowd. Everybody's clamoring. Everybody's got a need. In fact, Jesus is actually on his way to the home of Jairus who is the big dog synagogue leader in the community. It's like he's the mayor and his daughter is, is about to die. And so it's a critical thing and that everybody's going that direction. And in the middle of this procession, Jesus just stops and takes time with this woman who is a nobody Mm -hmm. who has no money, no class. We know Mark says she has no money. She spent all her money on doctors. What can we identify? Yeah. And, but Jesus says, Hey, you are just as important. You matter as much to me. You, you penniless woman as the, uh, the, the big mayor of the town here. Yeah. The synagogue ruler. What a beauty. And he, and he turns to her and he says, daughter, your faith, 
has made you well. Go in shalom. Go in peace. Yeah. Imagine what that meant to her with so much rejection, 12 years to hear him call her daughter. Such an endearing term. Yeah. I well, love that part of the story. Yeah. That, that, that's such a, that really is a powerful thing. I mean, what, why, why is that powerful that he called her daughter? Well, it, it, it's the only time in Scripture that Jesus calls another woman daughter. Huh. And I think more than anything else, a Jesus, I mean, he knew her situation. He knew her condition. And in the Jewish culture, having that particular ailment would have made her uh, ritually unclean yeah. in that culture. And which meant she was ostracized, she was cut out, she was alone. Mm. And can you imagine for this great healer, the great teacher, to turn, to stop, to pay attention to you, and to and to say, daughter, you're my daughter. Yeah. I just, I love that, the love. And again, the question is, will God love me or desert me? I promise you that woman is saying, he loved me. Amen. That day, I was loved. Rick, as you wrapped up things, you suggested some takeaways that we needed to have. The first one that you said was we need to dare to believe that Jesus cares. So what do you mean by that? Yeah, I was very intentional in using the word dare. I didn't want to just say, believe Jesus cares. Huh. Because believing that Jesus cares, that takes risk. That ta- You have to dare to believe. There is intentionality required. And, and especially if you're in the midst of a chronic condition and you're suffering chronically, there's going to be days you wake up and it, 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 it just takes raw faith to say, God, I don't feel it, but I'm going to dare it today. I'm mm. just going to dare to believe that even though I don't feel it, I still know by faith that Jesus loves me. He cares for me. Uh, as you said earlier, uh, he, he hasn't deserted me. Yeah. He is with me. And you, you, know, you just stand on those great promises of Scripture. And, and to me, Sean, things that help when you're daring to believe Jesus cares is you read these great stories in Scripture. Yeah. And you're, it's like, hey, that's me. That's me in the story. I'm yeah. like the woman in the story. You read stories in history of how God intervened in the lives of people that you know, looked like they were down for the three count, and wow, God came through and got wow. them through. So that that's what I believe it means to dare to believe Jesus cares. You know, I, I think of a book that you gave me or that you told me about by Brennan Manning, Ruthless Trust. And it, in that book, there's this really interesting phrase that, that he uses, that that God sees faith when people express faith he says he he considers that enchanting <laughs> as as brennan manning yeah. would say but yeah. but i kind of wonder i mean because that that is human beings are the only ones in the universe at least that i know of that can have faith that that can believe in something even though there's really no reason uh to believe that and and i wonder if that that if there is that that mystery that's associated with when we cannot see that there is a possibility of, of a positive outcome. We still believe that God cares. There's a reason, there's a purpose, His love is there. Yeah. And you know, God's very clear that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Wow. Do you want to please God? Well, there's something about God. He likes us to just 
dare to trust him, just to dare to believe in him. Yeah, yeah. The second thing you said was dare to believe that Jesus heals. Yeah, Sean, I grew up in a tradition where you know, Jesus quit healing at the end of the first century. <laughs> and, you know, that was to authenticate, you know, the gospel message. But once the apostles died out, uh-huh. it, so did healing. And I had to learn that, no, God's still in the healing business. Doesn't heal everybody, yeah. at least on this side of heaven. Yeah. But I, I have just seen over the years people I prayed and prayed for and they did get healed. But others, Sean, uh, people I had given up on. Yeah. You know, I prayed for them. But in the back of my mind, I'm planning their funeral. <laughs> you know, going, well, you know, probably a couple of weeks I'm going to get a call and we'll plan a funeral. I remember one lady in particular I thought she was so far gone, and I prayed for God to heal her, Yeah, but I didn't really believe he would. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And, what, it, and God healed her. Yeah. Not because of my faith. <laughs> I was planning her funeral. And but, but God just sovereignly heals, and when he does, we need to rejoice. Amen. And when he doesn't, we need to trust. Amen. 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 All right. The third way you said was to dare to believe that Jesus accepts you. And that can be a tough one because, again, when you're going through a chronic condition, you you somehow feel rejected. You feel rejected by God. You feel rejected by other people, not at the front end, but, you know, two years into my condition, people yeah. got tired of saying, hey, Rick, how are you doing? Yeah. You know, and have you been healed yet? Uh, mm. You don't look so good. <laughs> <laughs> you, and, and you begin to think, I feel rejected. Yeah. It's very important. Again, you have to dare it. You have to dare to believe. You have to be just have the guts and the courage and the intentionality to say, I don't see it, but I know that God accepts me. Yeah. Right yeah. where I'm at, no matter what's going on. You know, I, I bet you have similar uh, experiences or or other stories, but I'm thinking right now of a, of a pastor who, for whatever reason, he developed these these chronic headaches. Uh, they were migraines, and he, the normal things about coming to the, to the office every day, he couldn't do. He just he slept a lot, and uh, he his it, his family really suffered. Eventually, the church it was tough. It was there was the I know it had to be the toughest decision, but he could not carry on the normal duties, and he had to figure out something else to do. And uh, you know, I think back about you know when when I asked you that question, what was it like in the middle of that three year period? To, did you ever feel like, you know what, man, I, I see nothing but dark skies ahead of me, and this doesn't look good? Yeah, there were days I thought, I don't know if I can continue to, to work. Uh, I would, I'd would i go to work in the morning and work a few hours. I'd go home and eat and lay down for an hour. Wow. Then I'd go work a little bit more, and I'd come home, and I'd lay down for an hour yeah. and eat and then go to bed. And yeah, after a while, you begin to think, I don't think, I don't. I'm not sure that I can continue to really pastor a church yeah. with this kind of fatigue. Yeah. So you do, you begin to have doubts. And then those doubts translate over into uh, doubting God's love and get, doubting that God's involved and doubting that God really cares. Yeah, and it does take that... that I'm, I'm so honored when I meet folks that are able to say, you know, I, I couldn't do that particular thing anymore so i i just trusted that god was going to do something else and he did and uh, i um 
I'm, I'm looking at this, this, if you go to Rick's office, you'll see this painting right behind him. I don't know where he got this painting. It's a beautiful painting. It reminds me of the, uh, the mountains up in Rudoso with, with uh, the turning of the leaves of the aspens. But uh, I, you mentioned, I don't, was it you last? Did you mention uh, out of Ephesians uh, 2.10? That we are God's workmanship, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, because of that, which means uh, uh, I think the Greek word is poema, right? That's correct. And uh, so we are His masterpiece. Uh, and so if if that's true, then um, God is using all the colors on His palette that He has. And and, and we were talking right before the, we started the podcast, and, and I was musing over the fact that. I don't want any paint left on my on that palette. I want it all to be used. The dark colors, the bright colors, the the brown beige colors that don't seem all that interesting, but it's if it was just all bright green and bright yellow, how boring that would be. Yeah, at the time we don't like the dark colors. But in reality, when we're honest, we have to realize it's really the dark colors that bring out the brilliant colors. Yeah. And God uses it all. Uh, he, he he uses every color um, to bring out his sovereign will and plan in our lives. Amazing. Last last thing, I just want to touch on um, just touch base on on that second point that you made to dare believe that that Jesus heals. And <clears throat> I love the story that you used the British middle uh, distance runner Derek Redmond. Uh, his experience at the 1992 Barcelona Olympics, which, by the way, I'll put the link of the YouTube if you haven't seen it. Get your tissues ready. Uh, why? Why did you use that story? Well, here Derek Redman is. You know, he's favored to win the uh, the Olympics that year in this particular race, and it's in the semifinal heat. He's in the middle of the race, and a searing pain shoots up his right leg, and he collapses on the track, and he's just left there in excruciating pain. He, he, Taurus hamstring mm. and and there he is on the track and he somehow is able to pull himself up on one leg and Sean he begins to hop around the track I mean yeah. he's trying to make it and it's just it's excruciating all of a sudden a guy pushes out of the crowd in the stands and he pushes his way through and gets through security runs out onto the track runs out to his son and says, son, you, it's his dad. Yeah. And he says, son, you don't have to do this. Yeah. And Derek said, yes, I do, dad. I've got to finish. And he said, well, son, then we're going to do it together. So he wraps his arm around his son, and together they they hobble around the track to the finish line. Well, by the time they get to the finish line, the crowd is cheering and weeping, but they, they finish the race. And, and the question is, you know, why... Why would his father do that? And when you think about it, the stands were filled with people. Only one person came out of the stands. Only one. What was it? It was a father's love. Yeah. Father's love. Sean, only one person came out of heaven to save us. Mm. Only one. And, and it was Jesus. And why? It was the father's love. Yeah. It's the father's love. Will God love me or will he desert me? Uh, Jesus answered that question 2,000 years ago, once and for all, when he came out of heaven to save us. Yeah, yeah. Wow. What a, this is a great message. Thanks so much for sharing that. Uh, what, are, what are some things that are coming up? Well, you know, along this same line, uh, I've asked uh, Alan Getty, who's our children's pastor here at Grace, I've asked him to share this coming Sunday on the topic of depression. 
there is so much depression, as you know, Sean, in our, mm-hmm. in our world right now, in our nation, our community. Depression <clears throat> is up. Suicide, uh, attempted suicides, or at least thoughts of suicide, mm-hmm. have like doubled yeah. uh, during the, this uh, pandemic. And I've asked him to talk about depression, and he's going to share a, a very personal story from their own family of how they had to deal with a family member uh, who uh, was suffering with severe depression. Mm. And he's going to share how their family came together and got through it by the power of God and the help of God. So it's going to be a powerful, powerful Sunday. I want to encourage people either to come if you can in person or if not, really jump online Sunday afternoon late and make sure you catch Alan Getty's powerful, powerful message. Fantastic. Hey, one other thing coming up in September 6th, we're very excited, uh, Labor Day weekend. We're going to have here at Grace First Responders Appreciation Day. Talk about a group who has stepped up to the plate yeah. through this pandemic. And so we mm-hmm. feel like we want to honor and recognize all of our first responders in our community. And so people will not want to miss that September 6th. How about you, Sean? Anything coming up on your calendar? Well, something that's very dear to my heart. September 13th, we're having our Class 101 Discovering Membership. And so I missed the last one. I couldn't do it. So you had to do it all. That's so, right. It's about time you get back yeah. to work. <laughs> yeah, better start, better start earning my keep around here. But uh, if you have been curious about what it is that we do, if, obviously if you live here in town, but uh, uh, if you've been curious about what does Grace believe and why do we do the things that we do, uh, come to this class. It's a lot of fun. It's almost like an infotainment, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 not a service, but an event. And, and, uh, but you will. You will find, we'll tell you, we'll pull back the curtains and you'll begin to see why do we do the things that we do? Why did Rick and Mary start this church uh, here at, in, in Roswell? And uh, you'll see how it's very much like what you'd expect a church to be, but it's also very different, very different in what we what you're used to seeing in a church. Um, the other thing that's coming up, I'm really excited. Uh, a week later, we're uh, on September 20th. Uh, this is something that is national, Rick. It, it's all across the United States, maybe across the world. I don't know, but they're calling it Back to Church Sunday. And so, uh, you know what? We we just want to say, COVID, you lost. there's still more humans alive than there are sick and so you lost we're about to figure out uh what the vaccine is uh and uh uh, you've lost and so we're gonna we're gonna celebrate what god has done we're gonna have a nice cookout and we'll we'll still do some social distancing uh measures uh because we're, we're not completely out of the woods yet but we can see it from here and so uh, we're going to have a great time. That it's day. going to be a great day. And I, I want to encourage everybody, hey, come back to church. Um, come back to church Sunday. Yeah, September 20th. All right. Rick, thanks so much. Thanks again for being with us today. We hope that you have been encouraged and better informed. We love to get feedback. So send us an email with your comments at info at roselgrace.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss an episode. And do us a favor by sharing this podcast on your favorite social media platform. For more information about Grace Community Church, visit us online at roselgrace.com. Until next time, may the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus be with you.